Hi, welcome to another episode of uh, Kingdom Seekers, where today actually I'm going to be with my good friend Shane, and we're going to be talking about grace. Now, this podcast came earlier in the week, or this, this, the mind of coming up with what to talk about um, came earlier in the week, and I was in the shower, and I know I'm not trying to go into that kind of talk, but I was just in the shower and God said, grace. And it said that he who has found a wife has found a good thing. And I thought that was kind of interesting why he would say that. Because it's in, I think it's in Proverbs. And um, about a wedding ring. He just showed me a wedding ring. And he was saying that like it's grace. Like the fact that we are called to be his bride. And he is the husband. And so he's looking at us. And it's not by our own righteousness. But it's by his righteousness, that, that his blood that cleanses us. Now, grace, as the difference, there's a difference between like punishment, mercy, and grace. Punishment, you get what you deserve. If I committed a sin or a crime, there's a punishment. If there's mercy now, it's where the, 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 the debt gets thrown out. Like, okay, look, like, you know, I'll have mercy on you. You don't owe me five bucks or ten dollars from what you stole or whatever. Just I'll let it go. Grace now is this. It's like you you uh are speeding down a highway going, you know, hundred miles an hour in a fifty five or a sixty, and the police officer pulls you over and gives you a thousand dollars. You didn't even deserve it. And you were doing bad and yet you got rewarded. It's not the fact that you were rewarded, but it's his love. It's love and kindness that brings us to repentance. So, us being born into sin, and our lives, how we live it, what we say, what we do, and just the sin that we can that we accumulate, we're destined for hell. But by His blood that cleanses us, He redeems us. He's the resurrector of our life. And he, he redeems us. He saves us from going there. He says no, like, because Jesus died on the cross, a righteous person, that he saved us. So, I know everyone kind of knows about that. But this is something interesting. Um, as I looked up, I was just meditating on, on scriptures about grace. And this is something that's interesting that the first one I kind of wanted to, to share into was this. Uh, Luke 4.18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Some scriptures will say Jubilee. Now, Jubilee, every 50 years, there was uh, all debt was paid, slaves would go free, time for rest that year there's no growing of crops that everything stops it was a time of rest and it's interesting because it's to proclaim the year of the lord's favor or jubilee and and some people would even say that after christ had came had died and rose again the good news is that every single day is a jubilee people can be set free people uh can rest and whether you agree with that or not, this, this is the example I can give. When you feel heavy, burdened, you can go into your secret place. He says, go to your secret place, go to the door, and come to me. All who are heavy, burdened, you know, I'll give you rest. 
just like that bam I can be in his presence I can rest my weary soul now I mean probably go so much more deep or jubilee but I'm not getting to that deep I'm just going surface level on that topic but anyway Shane so um just kind of want to hear from you what is your take on grace now even you talk about like personally like in your own mind like what has God done for you and yeah, just like, what does it mean? Yeah, so, <clears throat> grace is one of those things that, I mean, if I were to speak on a personal level, it's been one of those uh, topics that I believe a lot of people can relate to. Because, you know, grace has a lot of ways to show itself. You know, with how God gives us grace, and even in my uh, I guess coming up six years now, being with the Lord again, uh, I'm still learning about grace. I'm still learning about what that looks like in my life on a day-to-day basis, right? Like, we can get the concept down on a foundational level and know that, like, grace is something that's given to us, uh, unmerited favor, as in something we that's given that isn't deserved or isn't uh, earned. Right, and so, um, so we we get that, but sometimes we don't know what it looks like in our life, right? Like, uh, and something that you know I've been going through even recently uh, is revisiting and being reminded of God's grace over my life because uh, for me, it's. You know, I've I've been going on this path where it, it's not necessarily what I expected, right? Like, sometimes we have this idea of what our journey with God might look like or what it should look like or what we expect it to be after a certain amount of time. But God has an interesting way of, of taking you down certain paths and, and uh, through the ups and downs. Um, he ends up showing you His love through some of the toughest things that you deal with with yourself right and some of the stuff that you struggle with and again for myself it's constantly you know wanting to come closer to God constantly wanting to um follow you know follow his way but if there's times where I don't follow through with that right like i'm i'm i have this perception that if i do these things right and if i if i stay consistent if i stay steadfast in my mind towards christ if i do all these things and you know and speak messages and stay like great with connecting with people and just always being on top of it then some way i'm gonna like i'm gonna earn god's favor right and i'm gonna earn something um that I'm going to be rewarded. And that may be true, but if it comes down to like to the to the to salvation, right? Like if you start having this mindset that these are the things that need to do that need to keep happening to maintain salvation. It becomes about works instead if of you, about Jesus. It's how that relationship right, with God. Right. Because there there's been times where I was falling short in all of those things. And then I started to like question and doubt my salvation and what God has helped me 
to see through the different seasons of failure and constant like trying and striving is that God has already given me the thing that I'm striving so hard for, right? And and the salvation is the beginning of it. It's like, look, it's not about, you know, it, it's not about everything that you've done before, but it's about receiving what I want to give you, mm. right? And it's not about what I think I need to be earning or what I need to be doing to receive this uh, because it's what I consider as worthy enough to receive something as a reward but willing to accept something even though my what i believe is you know worthy of receiving or not receiving like if that makes sense yeah so um it's like living your life trying to live purely trying to live uh not abuse grace and i love how this one guy said this one um i think he's a pastor or a speaker eric gilmore gilmer Limmer. Anyway, he says, you can't love God. Like, you really, I mean, you think about it, Shane, ever since I first met you, you always say, you know, our hearts are bent towards away from God. Right. But he says, just like if you think about an iceberg and how it, if it sits in the sun, it melts and then turns to water eventually over time. Like, if you put it, let's say, you know, on some warm water and it's in the sun... So it's like the same way, like, when the more time you spend with God, the more you start to love, the more you worship Him. Now you can say, like, oh, man, I wish I could love God just like that, or I can wish I can love God even more. I think it's just by being in His presence. It's like, it's like, hey, me knowing you, Shane, for so many years, you know, if I had to say compared to when I first met you to now, man, I, I, we've had experiences together to where I've loved you because you've always helped me out. You've always been there. There's experiences. It's not just words, not just talks, but there's actions. So Jesus, his grace being in those moments for you and for me is the fact that he will never leave me nor forsake me. He says that and he actually puts it through action. You're in financial burden. He blesses you. God, I don't deserve that because I haven't been tithing. I love you. It's his loving kindness that brings me to repentance. I love you so much that by you, by me loving you so much will turn you. People who hate me, you know, like people just in life, if people hate me if I loved on them a certain way, eventually, how can you keep hating somebody who loves you? Right. So just like people who hate God, his love, <laughs> his grace goes further. It goes deeper. Your sin, but his love goes deeper. I love that song. Um, by Bethel it's I forgot what the song is but the lyric goes you know when when sin goes deep your grace goes deeper I love that and I I don't know why but for some reason every time I hear that I think of like a hair follicle and how like your hair goes deep into your skin and it's like his grace goes even deeper past that so it's kind of like it's just weird but for me how I get that image but um he called you he put purpose into you You know, he says you're a royal priesthood now by my blood. You know, you are now adopted. He is the second Adam. Mm -hmm. He's a demonstration of how we're supposed to have our walk with life. Like we talked about it, Jesus being the role model. But now we're talking about grace and how he gives grace and how he blesses us. It's not by our works. It's about the fact that, hey, we can come to him. You know, if you have a father... You have a husband, you have a brother, you have a friend, right? In different aspects of how we view God. So how do I come to him? Sometimes I could come to him as a father, like, hey, I'm in debt. I need help. I need provision or I need protection. I have a brother. Hey, I need somebody to lean on, somebody who's also a brother. And the fact that a brother would 
maybe you know also provide for me but a friend is someone also you know it's just different levels of that um but you you are a royal priesthood so as i go to first peter 2 9 it says but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation god's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light so you know it says he loved us even while we were yet sinners yet we were walking in darkness right there he was he has always been trying to pull us out and even when we have gone back into sin into darkness um god showed me this if you were in jail because you were caught stealing and he paid the price to get you out why would he go back to stealing why would you go right back into a life of crime to sin and it's kind of like okay you know anybody would be like well why would you do that well sometimes uh you lose your fire you know it says in uh I'm really bad at pronouncing this word, but in the book of Thesio, the, the, Thessalonians. Yeah, I forgot verse one or two, but he says, you know, never put out the fire, right? In, in the Old Testament, priests were to keep the fire burning, the altar. Mm-hmm. So fire, passion, is usually what it represents, I, I believe it represents passion, like keeping your fire burning, a sacrifice. And um, just something I want to say about grace. Now, Taking this from a book that I was reading earlier this year by Darren Wilson, Chasing a God You Don't Want to Catch, he illustrates the prodigal son. And this is what's really interesting. Jesus gave us a similar glimpse of the father's heart toward our sin when he told the parable of the prodigal son. A punk kid wants to strike out on his own, so he asks his old man for his inheritance early. The kid takes it and squanders it all on a life of sin, no less until he is broke and broken. He ultimately limps back toward his father's house, so desperate that he's willing to become a servant in his own home. Wow, a servant in your own home. But the father sees him at a distance and without hesitating, runs to his boy. The story Jesus told is astounding in more ways than one. It's more than a father being happy to see his son after he left home for a while. And this is, this is where he, um, the background of the story, I guess, in a sense, or like in that culture says, Middle Eastern culture, especially in the first century, would have raised an eyebrow at this seemingly feel-good story. For one thing, a Middle Eastern man never ran... Remember, they weren't rocking Wranglers back then. They wore tunics, which meant that if a man wanted to run, he would have to hike up his tunic so he wouldn't trip. In that culture, it was humiliating and shameful to show your bare legs. But in the story, the father representing, uh, representing our Heavenly Father couldn't care less. That's his son off that that that's his son off in the distance, and his love for him inspires him to spur his own vanity or cultural or religious standing. But there's one more piece to this parable that's even more incredible. If a Jewish son in that culture lost his inheritance and then returned home, he would have to undergo a community ceremony called the... I'm probably going to uh, mispronounce this, but... Kazah? Uh, Kazaza. <laughs> but literally, it means like a cutting off. Basically, they would break a large pot in front of him, then flat, then flatly state, you are now cut off from your people, and the entire community would reject him. He would be an outcast, forced to endure his shameful and guilt forever. Sounds cheerful. <laughs> um, 
So just kind of like to finish off this, it says, So it's quite possible, as Jesus told the story, that the listeners realized what was happening. This father wasn't just running because he was excited to see his son return home. He was actually running to catch his son before he reached the village. The father subjected himself to shame in order to keep his son from experiencing shame. To accept him before the community rejects him, there would be no ceremony this time. Because the father was bypassing with grace and forgiveness, what should have happened to his, the son. And to top it all off, the father threw a massive party for the, his boy, and the entire village was invited. You can imagine that the son was probably a little embarrassed by all the attention, and more than a little confused by the father's reaction. But beyond else, he was thankful for the son's love, or for his father's love, and he would never question it again. So, um, he basically got to avoid the disgrace of um, the community by having the cutting off by the by the father running. I mean, just thinking about it, like, his father ran out there in shame. The son got to avoid um, people finding out about his um, losing, the disgrace of losing everything. All that shame, everything. The father ran out there. I love that story. I love how the, the, uh, the author of this describes describes it. So God, uh, God bore our shame. He bore our sin. <laughs> so, Shane, just you know, I've been talking. So, what do you want to share about that? Yeah, it just reminded me. You mentioned about um, how you know in in the culture, right? That they would. Uh, that they would do that display in public about being cut off, right? Um, it kind of reminded me of Romans 11, where it mentions about the olive tree. And how... Um, it, it talks about branches being broken off of this tree. And, you know, we know that branches are provided life by, the, by you know, the trunk, the vine. Like, you know... The, the tree is what supports the branches. The branches don't support the tree. And, you know, God and what he's bringing us into, you know, his, his kingdom, his family, like, is that tree, right? And so God has given us this gift of being a part of this tree, right? And, um, and I'm trying to find the proper verse for it. Um, What verse you're talking about? Well, it's Romans 11. Um, Romans 11? Yeah, I mean, I'll just start reading from 16, verse 16. Uh, it just says, For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So it's just kind of describing about the tree. And if, like, in the beginning, right, like, what God has made is holy, right? And what he's, like... Uh, called his people for you know that priesthood that you were talking about like mm-hmm. you know god's family god's people it, it was designed to be holy and set apart and verse 17 if and if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree do not boast against the branches 
But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Um, But then it says, therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity but towards you goodness um if you continue in his goodness uh trying to find exactly um so basically like the you know further on down here i'm sorry i didn't find it ahead of time but it but a lot of like what it's saying is like look you've been given um a spot on the tree right Mm -hmm. you've been given a spot and um, we have a choice of whether or not we want to, um, you know, stay on that tree or be, re- or be removed of it. But at the same time, like you're saying, like the, uh, the culture, right, would, would cut that person off completely, right? That's what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Like, they would cut them off. Right, they would cut them off. But yet God is, is grafting you in. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? It's kind of like a family tree in a sense. Like people say, look at their ancestors; they find out where they fit on that tree. Right. And God has grafted you onto this tree. Right. Because you are a part of this family. Yeah, and I think that that speaks volumes for those who may have like never felt accepted, or maybe those who don't have a very strong family unit. Yeah. But um, with with all of this, it's um. It just continues to remind me of the very thing that, like, that what that parable is about. Is that God is, um, God is willing and wanting to bring you into, into a reality that, you know, none of us were able to go into for ourselves right like god's reality right because we have our own reality we have our own um path but god is inviting us into something and even though we might go off off and you know go astray and uh he's still like wanting to run towards us and accept us and receive us even yet while we were dirty and yeah even though we squandered everything god gave us even though like it's um we made bad choices. Uh, you know, that grace is kind of like what, how love is described, that it's like this keeping no record of wrong. You know what I mean? It's, um, but again, I'm, I'm constantly learning uh, what, grace, what grace means and, and uh, what it looks like. And even if I struggle, like, or if anybody struggles to forgive themselves, like, to know that God still forgives them, you know? Yeah. Like, we can beat ourselves up and we can condemn ourselves and the difference between conviction and condemnation is... Yeah. Like, what would you say the difference between conviction and condemnation is? Conviction? Well, in condemnation... Mm -hmm. Well, condemnation, right, is what the enemy uses to bring us up, uh, like to remind us of everything that we've done wrong. Right. And that there's no way that we can ever write it basically. 
that it's too late for us, that hmm. we've gone too far. Um, condemnation is basically reminding you of who you used to be. And yeah, and that all of those things are just going to lead to punishment, right? Because a lot of the time, like, people will see God as, as a God who's just eager to punish people. Yeah. It's like eager to throw people in hell. And it's not true. Right? When they get to know who God is and his character and his goodness, they would know that the God's will is that nobody would perish, but that all would be saved. Yeah. You know? And so that's the, that's the heart of the Father, that people would be saved. So, like, yeah. And for me, like, conviction is, like, he did something bad. It's kind of like, um... I would say it can even be a sen- like a an illustration of like a, s- a sensory thing, right? Like if you if your mom told you when you're a kid not to touch the the boiling pot and you go touch it, ooh, it's really hot. Probably shouldn't do that. Or like a fire, you know, when when you're out camping and your dad says get back, you know, get back from the fire. Like you know, you're throwing and he's throwing logs on it and you touch one of the fires, it's gonna burn your hand. So we know, okay, that's bad. Don't don't do that. And then like. Uh, condemnation is saying you're bad and you deserve to be punished. Like you're already, like you are bad. Right. It, like it's, it's not, yeah, it's, it's conviction it's is like a, you did something bad. There's an act and then an condemnation event. is the determination. It's like, you're already a judge. It's already set in stone. You're bad. Grace says, yeah, you know what? You're, you're free now. I'm setting you free. And so, um, as you were saying earlier, God, uh, God had me write down earlier today and just reminded me of my notes, but he, he basically took you from rags, dirty rags, to robes. You're basically just like dirty rags, useless, nothing, you know, like you're like, um, uh, uh, you know, you've been, you've been so dirty and that he washes us clean to now, and then he gives us a robe. Just like with the prodigal son, he came back running and he put sandals on his feet. He gave him a ring and he gave him a robe. He covered him, gave him uh, uh, an emblem around the ring, so then you're still part of the family in, in, in shoes, which was also uh, slaves didn't get shoes. It was a covering for your feet right. to bring you peace, bring you comfort. And what, that's what I love about God's grace, because God's grace sees you for who you are and not for what you've done. And you look at the disciples, you got, uh, if you, the good, a good uh, place to just kind of get into that, I mean, besides the word, is to watch the chosen. I mean, you look at the different uh, disciples, Peter, you know, Simon, uh, you have Matthew, who was a tax collector, no one liked no one liked the tax collectors. No, he they, was a betrayal to his own people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in our own lives, we can feel mistreated just by, you know, you, as some people can see in America, there's so much just like division, so much just going on. And um, you have it where like even people can be against, uh, I mean, I don't know how to, how to describe this without sounding kind of weird, but... I mean, I'm not vo- voting a, a putting a, a voice on either side or anything like that, but just like um, they say, if you're white, you can't be discriminated against. 
And so it's going based off of just by off of your skin color. Like someone could call you a, a white bad term, you know, a white a bad term for a white person, and they and nope, you can't be discriminated against. You can't. That shouldn't even affect you. But that's so weird now. Just like vice versa, you know, your dark skin. People people look at skin, and it's like God looks skin deep. He looks at the heart. So he created you, and. Uh, and that and that's what's really loving. And so, if you look at uh, Romans five eight five eight says, "But God demonstrates His own love for us in this: while we were still uh, sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't just die for white people, for black people, for Asians, for the Israelites. He died for every single person. So everybody has been washed clean, if they choose to call on the name Jesus. It says Jesus. You know, it says everyone knows this, or they should. John three sixteen. For um, for God sent His only Son, you know, so that whoever whoever believes in Him may have life. Mm-hmm. So, and then in uh, Romans five nineteen verse nineteen it says, um, "For just as though through the disobedience of one man that many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man the many will be made righteous." And then you can go to Ephesians uh, 2.8. I just kind of wanted to get all these scriptures out so that way you can just digest it. Um, but Ephesians 2.8. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. You can't work. So I know that different religions, like you have Mormonism, what says if you do good, you get to be saved. But see, grace is fr- is freely given, is efficient for you. Now let's say, you know, under grace, right? You mess up, you make a mistake. This is the righteous fall seven times, but they get back up. When he washes you clean, you are clean. Leave shame behind. You are a new creation. You don't, like, we don't deserve grace, but he gives it to us. Yeah. One of my favorite scriptures, you know, is uh, Jer- uh, not Jermaine, uh, Jer- Jeremiah 3103. For he has his continuous love for us. That he'll love us, you know, everlasting. Uh, I'm not I'm misquoting it, but as uh, Shane, you're looking at the Bible right now. Uh, another scripture I would say is John 112. One twelve says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he would give the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a man's will, but of born of God. So, knowing who you are, right? Knowing that you have identity, you have a purpose, you have a plan, that he is the author, he is the potter, and he and he created you for certain purposes. Yeah. So I'm gonna share this these last thoughts that are on my notes, and then we can kind of get into a spontaneous talk because I kind of want to share into this. But um, what's that? If you want to go to that verse, Shane, real quick, um, onto the one that's on my my fridge, 
think it's the one about love or something like that. That he has a that he has created a place for you, and he in that he will take you there. Things like John fourteen oh three or something like that. But just um, on the on this note, what I'm talking about is this: when you die, everything you own will vanish. From your perspective, not like if you have a descendant, right, like your son. But from your perspective, right, when you die, you leave this place. All the the money that you earned, the houses, the businesses, even the little things that you may have. You know, let's say you weren't rich, but let's just say the the the, the small car you had, the little um, apartment that you may have had. You know, the greatest amount of things you had or the little bit that you had, everything will vanish. When we enter the kingdom, what well, Jesus says he has been preparing, you will receive. So, like, let's say if you die and he says, okay, I have a house for you and I'm going to give it to you. Because we, we, if you believe in Jesus and you live your life following him, right, the hope of glory is that he, you know, would enter, you would enter the kingdom. So, let's get past that now. Now you're in the kingdom. Everything that he, uh, that you have worked on earth doesn't mean anything. He has a house for you, let's just say. The house is given to you. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it, but he gave it to you. He gives and he can choose whoever he wants to give. And that's the beauty of it. And um, to go into the, what was the verse I was talking about is this. It's, it's uh, John chapter 14, verse 1. Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God and believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That's where I am. There you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. You were bought with a price. You belong. You were one. You once belonged to the enemy. When Adam sinned, he gave up the authority. It says that we had authority to rule over this earth. The animals, the crops, everything. We were to, uh, you know, uh, plant the crops, till the grounds. But once we give up to sin, in the very beginning, ate from the tree, we give up that right. Then we took it. Jesus died he took back that authority, what was taken from the enemy, and it was given to us. That's beautiful. Now, uh, this is the last thing I want to say is that I, and if this person I see is listening, uh, Israel, <laughs> he once said this. He says, you know, retirement should be your last effort for the kingdom when on earth. When people get ready uh, for retirement, they just want to have fun. They just want to do whatever they want to do. And that's your last that, I mean, that's the end of your life. You know, it's your last chance to do anything you want for the kingdom of God. So, just with all those notes out there thrown, you know, I'm not trying to, like, uh, speak so much. I know, Shane, you have a lot that you want to say. Uh, I just want to get through my notes before the time gets up, because we only have an hour. But, you know, um, everything we have, the breath in our lungs, Genesis 2, 7... He formed us and he breathed life into us. Already right there, we have life. When we were in the garden and we sinned, when Adam sinned, not we, but humankind sinned, Adam and Eve, Jesus, well not Jesus, but God, uh, he took animal skin and made us clothes. Yeah. And there was also, he took the skin, he took the, uh, was from the, was from the animals that would be the sacrifices. What I mean by that is, 
the sacrifice, like the the cow and the um, the sheep, right? And then you have like the doves. But he took the the animal skin from the animals that would be the ones that we would sacrifice, like the sheep and the cows, the skin. Right. And the clothing. The, yeah, the crazy thing is, is... And it was a covering for us. That was the first covering. So anyway... Yeah, God was the first one to provide a sacrifice that would cover the sins of mankind. He didn't even have to. He could have destroyed Adam and Eve. He could say, okay, you sin, by. I don't want you. Yeah. You're dead. And, like, even right there, that's, you know, that, I mean, I, I relate to that as, you know, grace. Like, it's God's grace that we... Um, I think that's like the first grace that was ever demonstrated. Yeah, and I mean, his mercy too. I know that like his grace and his mercy are two different things, but it's like, you know, it, it's God's grace that, uh, you know, that he would send us out of the garden. And, and, and even though it was a ter- it was a very difficult path for us from the garden and up to this present day, it's like all through it, it's God's grace for us. And, um, bringing us back to him and I think like just something that I wanted to mention you had brought up earlier from Ephesians 2 um, I think what's really important for us to remember too is when it sorry um, when it comes to God's grace right in Ephesians 2 8 it says for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Um, and I think that's something that's really important for us to keep in mind is like, look, God, like your faith, right? Like your faith pleases God, right? And your faith is how you receive the grace that's been given to you. God is trying, God wants to give you grace. Sorry, I'm going to shut that off. Um, God wants to give you grace, right? He's given you grace, but he's saving you by grace through faith, you know? And so when we pick up that, when we pick up that grace that he's given us by faith, through faith, um, we're acknowledging that as it says, it's not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not about us, like, trying to be good enough and trying to, you know, earn the the salvation and, and trying to, I think this is, like, the, the big thing that I think a lot of the, like, what Christianity has focused on a lot of in the past is that, like, it's all about how can we strive to get into heaven, right? Like, that's the end goal. And, yeah. and, and um, you know, we focus so much on, you know, I just want to make sure that I get into heaven at the end. Like, we focus so much on just the end. Like, we may be, like, you know, on one side of the line or on the other side of the line is whether we're good, doing good or bad. But if we at least stay somewhere in the middle, then perhaps we can make it into heaven, Yeah. you know? Uh, Go ahead. Uh, um, well, um, you know, I, I know a lot of this stuff we're talking about, probably a lot do know. But God has put it on my heart now um, for these last few minutes. Not trying to cut you off, Shane, if you want to finish that thought. But um, just anybody listening, I feel like this next part is going to get pretty deep. And, it, and if you want to, you can stop listening 
after Shane's kind of done speaking, but what we're going into is actually something personal that I feel like, you know, as a heart-to-heart, actually, you know, being deep and being raw and real about how, like, we, how we deal with convictions and how it's, and, and what's it like to be on fire for God and what's it like to maybe be on the down low where we're feeling horrible and we don't know how to get out of it. Like, personal and, like, just our own stories. And so anybody who doesn't really want to get that deep yet, you know, you can stop. Because I feel like, honestly, like, uh, God put on my mind is that people hear about grace all the time, but, you know, they don't see the, the truth of it from other Christians who are actually battling with maybe certain types of sin and just also with shame, with maybe feeling disgrace and stuff like that. So, um, Shane, if you actually want to sh- finish your thought right there, and then we can go into that. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of got the gist of it there. It's just that... It's just, again, it's focusing on the fact that, like, look, we're, it's not just about acknowledging that God has grace, but it's about being, like, that God has saved us by grace through faith. And, and, and I challenge anyone who's, like, struggle with that to, like, you know, to have the faith in believing that God has given you grace, regardless of what you feel about it, what you think about what you've done or where you've been or your ups and downs like receive God's grace through faith because it's through faith like faith is uh is what deems us righteous mm. you know what I mean like we are yeah. like Abraham was considered righteous through faith yeah his faith in God it's believing what God has said even if it doesn't like line up with what you logically think of for yourself and you know mm. and so and, and, and I don't know, it just, it, it really speaks a lot of volumes and, um, it, it, uh, it helps us to just know that like we're, we're here and we're, um, you know, yeah, we're here to receive God's grace. So, so yeah, with that question now, um, actually I just want to pray for you guys real quick. If you guys are going to take off here, stop listening. Um, cause I do kind of want to get deep with my friend, uh, my brother Shane, um, and I feel like honestly he's here because God's going to do some you know healing and just the conversation and um, but so God I just pray for anybody who is feeling hopeless who's feeling like they've just been like they can't get out of sin whether it is through uh, pornography God through anger through bitterness through hatred through anger Father, I just pray, God, that you would just show them mercy, love, and your grace. Deeper truth, God, that stirs up from within, God, that they would feel your love. God, and I also um, just break off any darkness, heaviness right now in Jesus' name. Any, any attack against their mind, against condemnation, Father, that you would wash them clean in the blood of Jesus. I thank you, Father, and I praise in Jesus' name. So right here, um, guys, you guys can, you know, stop the podcast or whatever. But um, So now the question is this. The ups and downs, right? Being on fire for God and having those seasons where you're feeling like you just didn't do good enough. You don't feel like you're kind of becoming stale. How would you say your walk is? What's it like to not be doing good enough? What's it like to be on fire? How can you protect your heart from receiving shame? What advice would you tell others? What advice would you tell yourself five years ago, knowing what you know now? So those are the questions we're going to go over. So I will start off with saying that I have struggled with lust for many years of my life. And I was uh, actually brought into it by a, a kid 
and uh, just when I was like 10 years old, and be- this is way before my face, before before I even went into it, before, um, and just here and there, in my walk, there's times where I slip up, where I, uh, my heart gets deceived, you know, longing for a com- companion, longing for um, a significant other, and I know many people struggle with this. I've talked to people, uh, plenty of people, and where it's this, you get on your knees, and where I find uh, that I, I meet Jesus. I tell him how I really feel. I don't even uh, sugarcoat it with God. I say, God, this is how I feel. I need you. So there's times when you have to fight. And you have to deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Now, as you get deeper and deeper with Jesus, I would say it gets easier and easier. But let's just say you're starting off now. You're a Christian who just came to Christ. And you have had all this many years before you, before you came to Christ, dealing with this. Sometimes God is gracious and he's loving. He'll, he'll break that off right away. But sometimes it is that battle that you have to decide, you know. Uh, is it Jesus, um, you know, or is it your flesh? Now, I've also had it where I've seen other Christians, not talking about less no more, but talking about uh, looking at comparisons with who's, you know, who's doing more for God. Like I see Todd White or other Christians who are evangelizing and I'm like, wow, God, like I'm just sitting here on my couch watching the movie and I see this on, you know, Facebook. I see this on YouTube and it's just like, wow, you know, I'm part of this ministry that I'm, I'm with and I feel like I'm not doing good enough. And there's times when I feel so horrible. I said, God, why would you still use me? Why would you still use me? Someone who is, you know, being lazy, who is in this season where I just feel like I don't even care anymore. Why would you still use me? And it's those moments when I meet people who have struggled the same as me in the past. And God has got to use me. Yeah. That's that's really good, and what it reminds me of is, so, I relate, right? Like, I relate in a lot of ways, as I'm sure many others do as well. Um, when it comes to, uh, like, seeing the things that we've struggled with, you know, I, I like, I, comparison has been something that I've struggled with for a long time, right? And that comes from, like, a root of being, like, believing that, who I am and what I do is not good enough, right? And it's just like constantly striving to be good enough, right? And and maybe it's like, uh, maybe it's a parental wound. Maybe it's like, you know, I'm still le- learning like where some of those things came from, like at an earlier time in my life. But it's this constant feeling like I need to impress God somehow. Whether it's like I need to uh, be good enough at speaking my messages, like, you know, where Moses was worried about being selected by God because he had a stutter and he didn't have, like, you know, wise things to say, but believing that God could still use us, right? But, you know, um, or same thing, like, with you, where it's, like, people are doing so many things out there in the world for, for the kingdom, but yet, I'm like, man, there's so much I f- there's so much I feel like I could be doing that I'm not doing, and I'm so focused on these other things in life that don't have nearly as much value, and and I get frustrated about that, and I look at myself, like looking in the mirror, and I'm just like, you know, what's wrong with you? Like, why can't you just like, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
why can't you just pick up this thing called you know faith and and identity and just like move forward with it right and uh something i've explained with people before that's really been helping me see things in a different way is like when it comes in line with grace right it's a there's a difference between like choosing to do something right choosing to follow something choosing to pick a hobby and then dropping it whenever you want because you've decided to like follow it or you've chosen it so you can just as much choose to stop you know having that in your life but when like when you see it from the perspective that god has chosen you for a time such as this like that's where like that whole you know like wow like so wait like you've come into my life because you've chosen me to mm-hmm. to walk with you and and i don't know like there's a difference between just choosing something on your own will but all but then like versus acknowledging that like that you've been chosen yeah you know and i feel like with uh you know talks about sin no more also in repentance um Sorry, I know I'm kind of... I hear what you're saying. Uh, just not came to my mind was this. Uh, if, but for me, I look at David, you know. He loved God. Did a lot for God. But if you look at his life when he had his first son, he died. Because what he did was he killed his best friend. Slept, well, he slept with his wife and then killed him, his best friend. And his son, he had his kid. God, you know, he got sick and died. But God, but he repented he turned away from that and that's something where you know when it comes to repentance it's like you know i've heard you say it too before shane like man like you know uh it says sin no more like anger uh coveting desire what other people have like wow man they get so much money look at their status and what i find is this like the more you spend time with god and and, and you worship him now, um, I know some, there's so many different talk, talks about, like, pornography and lust and stuff like that, that where, um, you know, how do you, how do you overcome that? Jesus. It's, it's where I don't want to cheat on him. I, I love him so much. Now, as I said earlier, you can't love God more on your own strength. Jesus, when you spend time with him, now, now like I've, I've said in the past about how to spend time with him. It's reading your Bible. It's worship. It's spending time with other people. But I want to say the difference between how God has graced me now. We talked about all the shame that I've experienced. It's when I've had people, I'm not seeking man's approval either. This is not me bringing up the topic in front of them. But it's when people say, wow, there's something different about you. I feel God's presence on you. When people can tell me that I'm a Christian before I can even say it to them. That is, and to me, it's not like me seeking self-approval, not seeking, you know, this attention or whatever, or, you know, this standard of, like, oh, I'm doing good enough, but it's like, wow, God, like, you know, in the mess that I'm in, you use people, you, you can use people, you know, to speak through, but just they can sense it on me, your presence. You look at Samson... He did the same thing. Lust, like lust in general, like is one of those sins where um, a lot of people struggle with. It's this desire of being, you know, uh, passionate with with someone else. 
And I know that it might be hard for whoever's listening who might be struggling with this, but there is a way out in this Jesus. When he fills you, when you feel that, that feeling of like feeling lonely, go spend time with him. Go worship him. Turn on some, you know, Bethel, Maverick City, uh, Jesus Culture, United Pursuit, just things like that I've, I've, I have uh, find to be really, really great. When you start worshiping him, you're inviting him into your presence. You can't. You, you don't want to sin. I've had it where I've even had the thought of, like, let's say, being be, just sinning in general. And I'm like, I don't want to. I'm in his presence. Like, it's weird, but when he's, when he's with me, you, you, don't, you don't have the desire to. Now, uh, I think one uh, thing that has been uh, really hitting me hard this season is, I guess, coveting. It's like... It, it's where I don't feel like we're in a world where you see other people doing better, job success, uh, you know what they're doing, what their status is, and then me like I feel like I don't have enough. Like I feel like I'm you know 30 years old and I'm living in an apartment. People have houses, have families, have kids, and I'm like wow, like you know, right, yeah. it's like God, like you know I'm 30 years old and let's just say the average death rate is 82. Like I feel like I'm missing out, and that's where I my heart has been lately. It's where, wow, like I'm doing all this stuff for you, God. And I know that it says in scriptures is that when you get to heaven, that all the things you've struggled with. I mean, sometimes I feel like God, like I feel like I'm like Paul. I'm alone and all I do is just do your, you know, try and do your will. And that's, that's it, I feel like for me. I feel like I don't have much left in my life. I haven't gone to school and I haven't, you know, done all these things that a lot of people who are successful for. And so my heart gets really heavy. And so, how do you find peace? Is that, honestly, like, when I go to my brothers and my sisters, and I spend time with them, and I visit, you know, them, and it just, the fact is, it, it, to me, Iron Trip is Iron, yes, and, and don't forget the, the first like the gathering, but it, it reminds me of where my mind should be. That I will die one day. It doesn't matter about everything, but the fact is, it's people's lives. It's their soul that is at stake. Now, it says, when you first see the kingdom, all these things will be added. If God, you know, God wants to bless me with money, he will do so. If he knows I need the income to provide for where I need to be. There's a testimony about Todd White and where his school's at in Texas, where it was like a couple million dollars for the building. And he believed, God said he would give it to him, and it happened. He got, he got the money he needed. And, you know, um, when we put God first and we start to really seek him out. Now, it's not always easy. You will make mistakes. That's why earlier I said the righteous fall seven times, but they get back up. Meaning that you just sin. And there is no sin that is, like, greater than, you know, one another in a sense. Once you, once you have taken a white piece of paper and put a mark on it, it's dirty. So, whether you lusted, whether you stole, whether you covet, while you, you know, do lied... You know, it, it, it's it's already ruined by one type of sin. So it's his blood that cleanses you, washes you. So when you seek forgiveness and you re, and you turn away from that and you say, God, I don't want to do this anymore. You take uh, whatever it is that, let's say, uh, for example, it's easy to kind of use an example of like a book. Like you're reading a bad book. You just throw it in the trash. Or you're watching a movie. Throw it in the trash. Get rid of it. Right? You get rid of it. That's repentance. But now let's say you're so far gone and you feel like there's nothing left for you. You're a drug addict. And I'm not really, I don't have experience with, you know, doing drugs or anything like that, but he is a resurrector. You know, he sees your life, he already knows it, he knows your thoughts, he knows what you're going to be doing, 
you know what you did. You can see those things. You can intervene. And he loves you. So for me, the affirmations, you know, the five love languages, just by blessings, God has reminded me. I remember um, in like a couple of weeks time, I got patted on the back three times. One was, I think by, uh, yeah, just in general, I got patted by three times. But the third time I got patted on the back, I just said, God, is that you? Just There was something different. He was trying to text my attention like, hey, it's all right. Because I had been under such just heaviness. And just feeling condemnation. But, see, there's also the lies of the enemy. And so just in general, sorry, I know I've been talking, but Shane, like, you have anything to share about, like, just how you weigh on the heaviness that you... I know that you've told me you've been feeling heavy this season. Mm-hmm. Not feeling like you've been on fire for God. Now, how, how, what has God done in the past to remind you that you're that he still loves you and cares for you? Like, examples. Just, like, things that you've, you know, can share intimately. Like, you know, like, yeah. just... Well, it's... I guess, I don't know, just for me personally, I'm sure other people could describe it a lot better, but I, but I only say that because I find that it can be a little hard to describe, um, but the best thing that I can really say that would ha- kind of help uh, unpack that thought a little bit is that uh, there are... There have been points in my life where I've, you know, I've struggled and I've fallen and God uses the people in my life. Um, He has given me the strength to continue getting back up uh, when I've fallen. And it may not be right away. It may not be overnight. But it's one of those things where he's planted something in me that even in my hardest times when I feel like I don't want to continue on, um, there's that thought deep down where it's like, no matter what, like, I can't leave you. Like, I'm not going to give up. You know? never leave me, leave you near forsaken. Yeah, it reminds me of the disciples when they were following Jesus. Because when Jesus gave a teaching and many people left him, he asked the disciples, are you going to leave too? Even even Peter denied him three times. Yeah, but he never left him. Mm-hmm. But, and it's like... Think about that kind of sin. Yeah. You denied Jesus yeah, right and, there. And it, but it's like they, they acknowledged and they're like, what, they're like, what's there to go back to? You're the one that has the words of eternal life and they knew that their life was was in christ they knew that the only thing that was ever worth living for was in christ and so god is just i don't know he's he's helped me be reminded that i'm that i'm here i've gotten this far with being with the people that are in my life you know look at look at where i was back then and look at where we are now you know yeah. I know that it, there, it's not all for nothing. And God's word doesn't return void. Yeah. So I think that right there, just knowing that God's word stands true and it stands strong and it's it's uh, stood the test of time as truth. And I just, like, he's reminding me of that on a daily basis that I can continue to, uh, yeah. to believe on his word rather than my own. You know, to the people yeah. and resources well uh, we're about to actually end it um, I know you're in, in your um, 
thought, but it got, like, less than a minute, I gotta stop it, um, but thank you for guys for listening so far, I know it got a little deep, and, uh, that's why I kind of, like, warned you guys, God kind of wanted me to relate to anybody who might be listening, who might be in such heaviness, and so, I just want to bless you guys, and that this is a journey, so whether you're stuck in sin, um, he can resurrect you, he can take you out of that, you know, his grace is sufficient, just go to him, let him wash you, don't feel shame, but, um, bless you guys, in Jesus' name.